Good evening. We're thankful for your presence this evening. Again, it's a little bit of a, a yucky day to be out and about, and it looks to be that way for several days or weeks now, but we are thankful for your presence this evening, but certainly want to wish everyone safe travel as they journey, not only tonight, but in the coming days. But we're thankful that you're here. As we said this morning, uh, we are going to begin tonight taking a look at the book of Exodus. Uh, we're going to do so in a few different fashions. Uh, one of the reasons uh, that this came to my mind was as we had looked at our uh, Lost in the Credit series towards the end of last year and maybe even into the new year a little bit, uh, one of the lessons that, that that centers around is someone or a couple of people from the book of Exodus. I thought, well, that would fit in good with what our kids are talking about. And, of course, we would like to support our young people and their effort in Lads to Leaders as a whole. We appreciate the congregation so much doing that uh, with your prayers and with your thoughts and questions uh, about what's going on. To our elders as well, specifically uh, on behalf of the congregation in a financial sense, we appreciate uh, the opportunity to take our kids and help them develop their skills. Um, and if you have any questions, any of those in charge, uh, Charles and Shannon are kind of the, the head, the coordinators for us here at SADI, but any of us involved would love to answer any of your questions. And as we go uh, here in just a couple of months and participate in the convention uh, and come back, we would like to share, of course, what happens with you, maybe a Sunday night. We'll pick a Sunday night and have uh, a discussion of what all took place and hopefully some of the successes that the kids had through that. But one of the things that we do as part of Lads to, Le Lads to Leaders is Bible Bowl. That's, of course, where uh, we have some of the most participation. Some of you may have been a part of that over the years growing up or through various things. Um, I, I was a part of at least one. Um, I've been a part of Lads to Leaders now for several years with the Dunlap congregation. And so it's still relatively new to me. Uh, and the way that you study, the way that you prepare can be different depending on what you have. Lads to Leaders actually uh, shares with us uh, it's close to, depending on the books, but it's close to six or 700 questions. Now, those are not verbatim in that we study 700 questions, we memorize all 700 questions, and then we're tested on all 700 questions. In fact, what's interesting is uh, we will study six or 700 questions. In fact, we've covered everything so far. And then at the Bible Bowl, at competition, they will get tested on 60. So that's six zero as opposed to 600. So it's a lot to ask out of our young people. But of course, the one thing that we try to, to instill in them is, you know, we're not asking you to memorize 600 questions. We're asking you to help learn the principles and the things that take place within the book. And so we've been doing that. And in fact, tonight, uh, all of our young people, we've got three teams of four. That's 12 that are involved. Well, I say 12 young people in Judy. That's what I've been saying all along. So uh, we got Judy Corbin roped into helping. Heath has been helping with us as well. Brian's been helping some and been in there as we've been studying. But we like to give Judy a little bit of a hard time since Jerry does so much uh, as well. Uh, but Judy's been in there too. So the kids took a test. The older ones took 100 questions. The younger ones took 60 questions. Uh, and then Judy and I took it as well. So we won't tell you how we did, but we'll see how it goes. The kids will not find out until they get there uh, if they place in the top 10% or not. But I'd like to share with you a little bit. You think you know about the book of Exodus? This is kind of our version of are you smarter than a fifth grader? All right. In particular, number uh, six here in chapter one, what did the king of Egypt tell the Hebrew midwives to do when Hebrew women gave birth? Was it kill all the babies, kill all the sons or only the sons, kill only the daughters or kill the mothers? Children? Kill only the sons. All right, I only have like three or four of these. We won't do this the whole time. All right, next one. 
According to Exodus 32, 24 and 25, what does Aaron say came out when he cast the gold into the fire? A, a sheep, B, a calf, C, tablets of testimony, or D, a ram? Everybody? Of calf. And so, let me stop real quick. Again, we've got just a couple of these. But this is where it's interesting, right? Because we teach our young people. The boys and I study at home. Sometimes Hannah does, and, and all the kids study at home with their parents. But this is a good one, right, for kids. Because what happens? When Moses comes down and the people are dancing and celebrating there, and what does Aaron say? Aaron says, I put the, the gold in the fire, and poof, out came a calf. I mean, if that sound, doesn't sound like a kid, I don't know what does. I put it in there, and out it came. I didn't do anything. It just happened out of thin air, right? And you think that's silly. We laugh at kids when they say something like that. But yet we come to Exodus here, and that's exactly what Aaron tries to pull across, not only on Moses, of course, but when we think about God. I put it in, and out it came. According to chapter 27 and verse 9, how long were the hangings on the south side of the court of the tabernacle? Everybody ready to jump in and answer this one? 100 cubits, 10 cubits, 20 cubits, or 70 cubits? And yes, they're supposed to have remembered all these. Uh, y'all can't tell what y'all are saying. Hey, I don't think any of you said A. I know that. I heard B and C. So again, we're going to talk through the book in just a moment. But when, when we come to chapters 20 through really almost 30 there, it talks about the, the curtains were this long, and there were this many curtains, and they're tied together with this and that and this. They're supposed to learn all that. Now, I think this is our last one. This was our favorite question. When shall the owner of an ox that gores a man or a woman to death, while the owner knew that the ox tended to thrust with its horn but failed to keep it confined, not be put to death? When the ox is stoned instead, when the man or woman killed as a servant, when the man pays to redeem his life, when the man does not have enough money to pay the sum of money. I heard an A, I heard a C. I answered C on the test a minute ago, so I think I might have got that one right. But it's interesting. I mean, some of you kind of groan, but they're going to have to read that question and read through it and grasp what the, Harris and I were talking about this, what the actual thrust of the question is, you know, pretty quickly in the middle of the Bible Bowl. The question is, you know, when shall the owner not be put to death? But, of course, you've got to know what the case is. And so it's interesting because when you think about it, those are principles in life. It has to do with what happens when a field is set on fire. Who's going to pay for the field with all that's lost? Well, you think about not only our court system, but our world today, we have some knowledge of that. You know, well, so the person who did it should be, you know, pay for that. I mean, things like that. It's covered in the book of Exodus. It's very interesting to think about, but that's just a few of the questions we've been looking at. Tonight about the book of Exodus, a few things. Number one, the purpose. Well, one of the purposes, and there's several, is to give the fulfillment of the first stage of Abraham's promise. Now, go back to the book of Genesis. In the book of Genesis, we talk about the promise that's given to Abraham. Well, first of all, there's the promise in Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 15 there about woman's seed. Genesis 3.15, And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Maybe you recall that. But that's the first promise given. But then on later in chapter 12, in verses 1 through 3, God gives the promise to Abram. Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. Verse number 2, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you, and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. If you were with us just a few weeks ago, we talked about the fact that Genesis is a book of beginnings. 
But really, Genesis chapter 12 is kind of the hub of Genesis here. It's that fulfillment of that first promise to Abraham that's going to take place in the book of Exodus as we go from, by the way, 70, just 70 that are gathered there at the beginning of the book of Exodus that's going to develop into one to three million people, depending on who you ask and how you count it up. 70 to one to three million people that we see in the book of Exodus, the development of God's chosen family into a nation, which again is part of the fulfillment of the first stage of Abram's or Abraham's promise. That's sort of one of the purposes here and the one that we'll talk about tonight with the book of Exodus. We're going to take a look at a few things in regards to the contents. In regards to your outline, I believe this is the first part there, but chapters 1 through 19 are historical. Chapters 20 through 40 are more legislative. Now, this is interesting because, especially in regards to our Bible Bowl, because the first time that we did it as a group in Dunlap, it was Matthew. Hey, we got Matthew, right? Everybody knows the story of Jesus, his birth, his miracles, his death. We got that. Well, then we turned around and we did like 1 and 2 Corinthians. And if you ever try to study and be tested on 1 and 2 Corinthians, it's a little harder to do. It's not a story. It doesn't flow as easy. So it's kind of been interesting with Exodus to look at chapters 1 through 19 because there is sort of a historical or story type uh, you know, going on through there. There's what happens in Egypt. There are the ten plagues. And we're going to get into this in a moment. There's the journey to Sinai. All that we can read and understand. But man, we came to chapters 20 through 40, and it gets a little tough then. You start talking about how long the curtains are, what you're supposed to do to the ox that gores a man or a woman. All of those things get a little burdensome, a little cumbersome to try to study. We've had a few good laughs through some of that when they start asking questions or wondering how in the world we're supposed to memorize that. I had at least one threat of death from my wife when she called me one day and said, we need to skip this chapter. I don't know how they're supposed to learn any of this. You know, when it came to chapters 22 or 23, we're just going to have to try to memorize it. It's hard, but they're just going to have to do their best. But you kind of see it broken down in this way, historical and then legislative. Another thing that we do see in regards to kind of a breakdown of Exodus is very important is a change of dispensations, a change of dispensations. When we think about how God has interacted with his people across the span of time in the book of Genesis, all the way up to chapter 20 of Exodus, we see what we call the, the patriarchal age. God speaking through the heads of the families, through the fathers to the people. Listen, we know God has always made his will known. He's chosen to do it in different ways. We're thankful for his word that we have now that we can read. And we're thankful as well, of course, what we can read from Moses as we get into chapter 20 and on. Uh, but, but here we see a change of dispensations from the patriarchal age that ends into the mosaical age which begins in chapter 20 and goes forward into the new testament for the sake of abbreviation there i didn't make it very very clear but it goes into the new testament there as they are living under the mosaical age and these things that they had been told i mean we remember moses coming down with the ten commandments you know we remember what happens there we remember the ten commandments maybe but when you go on further into the things that are discussed and the way that they're supposed to live interact with one another there's a lot to consider there but it's a very important in the book of exodus that we have that we see and recognize this change of dispensations another kind of breakdown if you will before we get to some other things for ourselves this is going to be really small for some of you and i apologize for that but chapter one and verse one through chapter 12 and verse number 36 is Israel and Egypt. 
Israel and Egypt. Now you know this, and you've talked about it. Mainly it's the ten plagues. What happens to the children is they are uh, burdened there. All the burdens they have is they work for Pharaoh. On into chapter 12 with the death of the firstborn there in Egypt. The ten plagues that we can memorize and we think about. And by the way, our kids have had a good time with that. And it's interesting to, to memorize all ten. But it's really interesting when you think about the things that went on amongst them. The fact that some of them were protected. You know, that you think of the livestock were protected. People don't remember that a lot of the times. But God had a way of showing certain things all throughout those ten plagues. So one, chapter one to chapter twelve is, uh, is Israel and Egypt. This is chapter 12 and verse number 37 over to chapter 18 and verse number 27. We would call this the journey to Sinai. So we have the Passover that takes place. We have their departure, the journey to the Red Sea, and then from the Red Sea crossing on over to Mount Sinai. Again, I mean... You could break these chapters down in a lot of different ways, and we're trying to touch on them very quickly tonight in a few moments. But there's a lot that takes place there. The Red Sea crossing, the bitter waters are made sweet, bread from heaven, water from the rock. All these things that you may recall discussing when you were maybe a young person in Bible class, it's hard to, to kind of just touch on them, but all that takes place in this second division. And then third, and kind of more of a broad area, chapters 19 through 40, is Israel arriving outside at Mount Sinai. The people are prepared. The Ten Commandments are given. There are the civil laws that are shared. And, of course, there is the covenant between God and Israel. So you begin in chapter 19, and you go all the way up to 31, or really it starts in 32, before you get to the golden calf. And so it's very interesting as we have read through that even here in the last few weeks to think about what takes place with the golden calf. And I tell you, I, I've not even actually developed every lesson I want to look at over the next few Sunday mornings. But it blows your mind when you really think about the children of Israel and you make application to not only the world today, but even to Christians today. When you think about what they're doing, and again, we make, I make the silly reference to, to Aaron there. I mean, I threw the gold in and boom, a calf came out. Really, Aaron? But yeah, we do the same thing sometimes. When things happen to us, we go, well, you know, well, it just happened. No, it happened because of our choice, what we chose to do. But we'll get to some application here in just a moment. A few key verses. First of all, Exodus chapter 3 and verse number 14, the I am passage. And this may be one of our first lessons. But in chapter 3, we meet Moses at the burning bush, or we come to Moses there with the burning bush. And Moses is saying, not me, not me, anybody but me. And in verse 14, and even at the end of verse 13, when he's saying, not me, and what am I going to do? I mean, what credentials do I have? What am I going to say? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. You recognize those letters are capitalized, possibly in the Bible that you are looking at. And if you go forward, very possibly in the Bible that you are looking at, the word Lord from then on in many places is all capital letters. The idea here of I am, again, we don't have time really tonight to get into all of that, but this name that God gives to Moses, this covenant-type name that they are going to, to consider, the power, the authority that that gives to Moses to go to the children of Israel, to go to Pharaoh and say that the I am has sent me. I mean, we sing it in songs. You even, you know, do you recognize that that we do that? Because sometimes we, we sing it so fast, but, but I am. 
very important passage as we think about God moving forward. Chapter 12 and verse number 13. When we come to chapter 12, we are at the Passover. We are at the death of the firstborn. We are at the 10th plague that is fixing to take place. And in verse number 13, it says, Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. The Passover instituted the blood on the doorposts and on the, the mantle there, on, on the doorposts and, and the recognition there by God. The, the covenant, again, if you will, this agreement that if you will put this blood as a sign on your houses where you are, then I will pass over. You may have heard uh, there's been many preachers, famous preachers over the years that have had sermons, you know, famous sermons on blood, the blood uh, and, and its power and its place all throughout the Bible. And here we see its power in Exodus chapter 12 and verse number 13. And then Exodus 19 and verses 5 through 6, right before we are to get the Ten Commandments, as it's given here in Exodus chapter 20, Verses 5 through 6, the children, are at, uh, children of Israel are, are at Mount Sinai. Excuse me. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. You know, sometimes I'm thankful for the way that God has given us his word. I'm thankful for the slight differences we see in the New Testament, the way things are worded. Sometimes I wish it was just copy and pasted, right, into the New Testament. I and mean, we could take that right there and slide it forward into some of Paul's letters, and it would be the exact same thing. God says, I will tell you what to do. I will give you the way to live, and it will make you great. It will make your life easy. It won't be perfect. Things won't be easy all the time. But if you follow my word and you will be my people, I will call you my people. And you will see that the way that I have given you to live is, is wonderful. It is easy. It's supposed to be that way. And we see that in the New Testament. Don't get me wrong. But it's interesting to see that that's the God that we serve. That's the God who doesn't change, has not changed, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We can be thankful for that. It's why Exodus is there. It's why Exodus is included by inspiration that we can look at it and we can see ourselves and we can see Christians, we can see the world today, recognize that the great God that we serve, the great God who can part the sea and allow the children to walk across, can do great things even today. He may not work in the same miraculous way, and sometimes we, we get a little frustrated at that. We wish he would. We wish that he would do that for us. You know, if you just do it, if you, you just do it here for us, and everybody would believe. But we look at the book of Exodus, and we see a lot of times man doesn't treat God that way in the book of Exodus or certainly in 2019. A few practical lessons for you tonight. Number one, God fulfills his promises. God fulfills his promises. The Lord fulfilled his promise to make Abraham a great nation, and he will fulfill his promise to us. We think about 2 Peter chapter 1 and verses 3 and 4. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and, by glory and virtue. By which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. That through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. Having escaped 
the corruption that is in the world through lust. We could have spent several minutes listing the promises that God makes and has made in Genesis and in Exodus and through the Old Testament that he makes in the New Testament, the things that apply to us. But praise be to God, we serve a God in heaven who fulfills his promises. He did it for Abraham. He did it for so many other people in the Old Testament. He does it for us. He will do it for us. Again, sometimes it's, it seems further away from us. Heaven may seem like, our, our eternal reward may seem like it's away from us, out of our reach. So it causes us to doubt. It causes us to question things. But God keeps his promises. We can see it to Abraham. We can see it with Moses. And we can know that that's the way that it is for us even today. Number two, and this isn't necessarily in your outline, but another practical lesson, obedience is essential to salvation. Blood provides atonement, but we must choose to apply the blood by obeying God's commands. Maybe you recall, excuse me, I went too far. Acts, uh, Acts chapter 22 and verse number 16. As Paul is sharing there with those who are gathered around what happened to him on the road to Damascus, in verse number 16, as he is recounting, he says, and now why are you waiting? As he's telling this, arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Obedience. Obedience to that simple plan of salvation that we'll talk about in just a moment. The blood of Jesus. The blood that washes away our sin, that provides atonement. Blood is, has been very important. If you've got your Bible there and you're following along, you can look at Ephesians chapter 2. If you're jotting down notes, we won't look at Colossians 2 for the sake of time tonight, but you can look at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. Excuse me. Where Paul writes to those in Ephesus, But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were afar off, have been bought, brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, peace who has made both one, and has broken down the middle wall of separation. When we think about being brought near, we, we like closeness. We like intimacy. We share that among brothers and sisters in the sense that we have this closeness, this oneness, this unity. We enjoy that as being part of the family, being part of the body. We're brought near and brought near in that intimate relationship with God, as Paul says here, by the blood of Christ. When we think about the power in the blood that takes place in the book of Exodus, not only as you look at chapter 12 there and what happens with the Passover and the institution of the Passover, but go further in the book and think about the blood that was used, that was sprinkled on things, the offerings that were given. Very important instructions. We talk a lot about Noah when it comes to obedience, right? We talk a lot about Noah getting the exact instruction, so to speak, what exactly what he was supposed to do. He needed to follow exactly what God said. But if you want to talk about obedience, go read the middle books or middle chapters of the book of Exodus. Start talking about how long the curtains are supposed to be, what the pegs are supposed to be made of, what the holy garment is supposed to be made of, the stones that are supposed to be on there. By the way, Aaron's garments were supposed to have pomegranates and bells on the bottom, and then a pomegranate and a bell, and then a pomegranate and a bell. It says it. Go find it. It says it in there. And we're reading it, and we're going, I mean, seriously? This is the way that God told them exactly what to do? And, of course, the answer is absolutely. It may not make as much sense to us, and it may burden us today to even read it, but they had to be obedient to it. A pomegranate and a bell, a pomegranate and a bell, all the way around the bottom of the garment that he had. He gave instructions. He told them what to do, and they are supposed to be obedient to it. And they are, and then they're not, and then they are, and they're not. 
And we see in the children of Israel, we see a frustration that we sometimes forget to direct toward ourselves. When we obey, and then we don't, and we obey, and then we don't. But yet we see that obedience is essential. And blood, of course, is part of the plan as well as we apply the blood of Christ to our lives and being obedient to his commands. And then finally this evening, salvation through Jesus has always been God's plan. When we think about the book of Exodus, there are several different things that we can look at. And we may talk about those on a Sunday morning here in the near future, God willing. But there are several different things that we can see, even back to Genesis chapter 3. We talked about a moment ago, Genesis 3.15 and on forward, we begin to see this plan. We begin to see what God had in mind. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 7 through 13, we won't read all of that tonight, but, but even on down in verse number 11, Paul says, according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, we, we've talked about this excuse me, lately in regards to the book of Daniel. But so many people think that, that you know, Israel, the, the children of Israel there, the Jews rejected Jesus and, oh, God had a problem and he had to try to figure out how to back up and punt because this was a problem. They were going to reject Jesus instead of accepting him. Uh, we could spend a, a whole sermon on that as well. Salvation through Jesus Christ has always been God's plan. And the good news for us today is it's still God's plan today. As we look back at the book of Exodus and we see the way that he recognized his people, we come forward through the change of dispensations into the New Testament and we see what happens on the pages of the New Testament. The gospel accounts there, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and on into the book of Acts. The encouragement that comes forth through the epistles that are written. We see a picture of the I am. The I am who loves his people, who wants Mankind to be his people if they would just be obedient to what he has told them to do. For some people, it sounds really silly. For some people, it sounds really difficult. For some people, it sounds really easy. Different people approach the plan of salvation and what God has told us to do at different times and different stages in their life. But the good news is God has given us that simple plan of salvation. He has made it possible that we can have the blood of Christ applied to our lives we can repent of our sins. We can confess Jesus as Lord. He made a promise. If you'll confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father. And boy, when he talks about that promise and we think about the promises of the Bible, it's powerful, powerful things to think about. You can be baptized for the remission of your sins, as those in the New Testament were told there to do, not only the day of Pentecost, but even as we look through the book of Acts. And the Lord can add you to his church. So many times we, we talk about the plan of salvation with our kids. And we put them on the fingers and, and we don't forget that we need to live faithfully as well. Maybe you're here tonight and you need to become a Christian. Maybe you think about this plan of salvation. You think about this great and wonderful I am and you want to serve him. We would gladly help you with that this evening. Maybe you're here tonight and you've been faithful, but you've wandered away. Maybe you find yourself more in the camp with the children of Israel. You kind of followed along for a little while, but then you kind of decided, maybe he doesn't mean what he says, and I'll just go do my own thing. We'll be singing this song of encouragement in just a moment, that you would consider your life in light of the things we've talked about, but in light of God's word, ultimately. And whether you need to become a Christian, whether you need to come back to him, or you need the prayers of this congregation, we'll assist you now as we stand together and as we sing.